we got intro music! Welcome back to Kameleon, a podcast about life and growth as a kokushijo. Last week, we talked about our backstories and how it shaped our identities. Continuing on our discussion, I think a lot of people pointed out that maybe you're not actually a kikokushijo because a big part of being a kikokushijo is the aspect of coming back to Japan and you've actually never lived in Japan. Yeah, they're right. The, f- the first character of kikokushijo, first Japanese character, literally is the word for return. And I haven't returned to Japan. I, di- I didn't even live there. But growing up, I definitely considered myself part of that community. Um, and a more accurate term would have been kaigai shijo, which means like child who lives abroad.、Um, but that word isn't used that much, and kikoku shijo is like a way more commonly used term. And I was in those social circles. My family really could have been shipped back to Japan at any point during my childhood. And so, you know, I, I just considered myself part of that. But yeah, I definitely feel like part of the Kikokushijo experience is returning to Japan and like having to assimilate back,、uh, maintaining、uh, a sense of like global identity if that's someone that, something that someone wants.、Um, and I, I just I don't have that. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think the term kikokushijo is just a label, just like how you would label your ethnicity, you know? So even if you haven't had that quote unquote full experience, you've experienced parts of it. Because I don't think kikokushijo is just about your story when you return to Japan, it's about your time spent in, like, spent abroad as well. Aw, well, thanks.、Uh... Because I don't know, like Japan will always be my home base. Like, that's the one country that was very certain that I always have some sort of place in Japan, you know. It was because, you know, my grandparents lived there, but everything else was temporary,、um, uncertain, and like transient, where, you know, New York was temporary and it felt temporary until it didn't, and then it. Was actually temporary when we were moved to London. So, yeah, I guess this like goes to our point of acknowledging that we only represent two stories and two sp- perspectives on Kikokushijo and, and now Kaigai Shijo life,、um, where we have experiences others don't have, and others, there's tons of experiences and stories that we unfortunately aren't able to share because we don't have them.、Hmm. Okay, so moving on. In today's episode, we will be discussing relationships and specifically how systematic experience and gaps in our value systems have complicated our relationships with our parents. Recently, I've been thinking about how, with the pandemic going on, kids all around the world are being homeschooled, or at least in America, they're being homeschooled, and in Japan, they're being homeschooled in most. Places.、Um, and I, it, does, it does depend on the school district and, and the grade, but parents, for the most part, might be expected to teach their children on certain things. You know, a child is not going to be on Zoom 
for eight hours a day that they would have been in school. It's more like maybe a couple times a week they attend a class, but for other times of the of the the week they're they're working on stuff on their own, little projects or just taking time off. And that made me realize like if this had happened when I was in grade school, my my parents wouldn't have been able to help me with school at all. Like homeschooling and it's not just for you know it's for immigrant families also where our parents might not speak the language very well haven't gone through the curriculum you know and, and like I I do sympathize with these families and these kids because I'm sure like it must be super frustrating to see your child perhaps struggling in school in this new and strange format and not being able to help in the way that you want to but I guess in in the sort of like non-coronavirus situation I actually think this whole thing about immigrant parents or expat parents not being able to help with school as a pretty positive thing because in my entire school life I've had to make sure that I do my own homework like there, there was nobody there to like help me and so it built me built a lot of independence I think for me and like there wasn't a lot of conflict around you know did I do my homework did I get all the questions right like because I I just I had to do it on my own it was entirely driven by me and like I put the responsibility on myself on like the content and learning about the school curriculum and so it built a lot of resilience and independence I think Hmm. But weren't you jealous of your friends, it, like, at school, and their parents are helping them, but you go back home, and you don't have that support system that your friends have? I think I was too dumb to realize that <laughs> other families had it different, but I, I really recognized this when my brother was growing up, because I would help him with his school, because I would be like okay let's make him a genius you know like let's really power through this math homework and get him to you know soar beyond everything that's pretty interesting because for me it only kind of exacerbated my feelings of resentment towards my parents because I think because I experienced um my parents in Japan living in Japan and, you know, studying in Japanese schools and my parents being able to help me and then going back to Singapore and then realizing that they're absolutely useless, which sounds pretty harsh, but that's how I felt. Yeah, (laughs) but that's how I felt towards my parents because I was like, oh my goodness, my mom's not teaching me anything. She can't help me with anything. Am I supposed to rely on? Um, And then what she could help me with was to study Japanese and... I didn't want to do that. So it just created a lot of conflict and it connected the idea of my mom teaching me to the idea of like being forced to do something, which only pushed me away from her and like, academics, in my opinion. Yeah. So what was the dynamic like with your mom when you were not dealing with Japanese school work that she gave you what were you guys like when it was like time to go to the grocery store or have a parent-teacher conference hmm I think in Singapore I was pretty much the 
well, this is how I felt like. I felt like I was a translator. Looking back, my mom did a lot of things for me, but it was a lot of admin things that I couldn't really see or could help with. So what I could see was me having to order food at the hawker center, which is, you know, food courts, um, or me having to play translator when she was signing me up for swimming school and it was like the first day and she didn't really know what was going on. So I would play translator there or parent-teacher conferences, especially. She would come to these things, but she would always rely on me to tell her what was going on. And it made for this really awkward conversations conversation with the teacher and yeah <laughs> I can imagine the teacher would be like oh Yuka is not responsible well it's rude and you well I was beautiful like, um no um <laughs> I think oh well, I was I never got bad remarks from the teachers so I was safe in that sense but of course it was pretty awkward because you know I just had to keep translating and my mom was pretty just is pretty like quiet so she would take all the information in and wouldn't try to speak um to the teacher she would just like listen to the teachers but then when she was in japan mm -hmm. um she that... would always be talking to the teachers asking lots of questions she felt she seemed a little bit more involved in my education in japan got it so then like has that did that change though throughout your years of living in singapore because I mean, you guys have lived in Singapore for a pretty long time, and, like, you know, you, uh, language acquisition as an adult is really hard, but it, it, you know, it's a gradual process. And so, like, how is she now, and, like, do you think if you, you were in grade school right now and you had a parent-teacher conference, like, you would still be translating? Um, I think I definitely translated less and less, um... And yeah, my mom's English is getting better, but, you know, it's still not perfect. But she still works in, an, um, uh, in a school that every, like, all her colleagues speak English, so I'm sure her English is really good. So I don't think I'll have to play translator, but it's just, I think she just feels intimidated when everyone else can speak English and she can't. Yeah. So she tries yeah. to hide it as much as possible. So I don't think it's coming from the fact that she doesn't understand the language but like it's actual language skills right? yeah that's the same with my mom because mm. my brother goes to school with an international class so it's not an international school in japan but mm -hmm. um his english classes with other he my brother is an actual kikokushijo like he lives in japan mm. um with so he's in a class with other kikokushijo or like kids who just know a lot of english um and so their teacher is naturally native English speaker and my mom has parent-teacher conferences with him mm -hmm. and one time she brought me to be a translator um and then I was just sitting there because my mom you know understands everything that the the teacher is saying and is able to express her thoughts I think it for her it's it's definitely more of like a confidence thing and like mm -hmm. it's I think it's a stereotype for us to be saying this but a lot of Americans would be like, oh, yeah, I speak Japanese, like, sushi, hibachi, Toyota, <laughs> whereas Japanese people who study English for years are like, oh, no, I don't speak any Japanese, when really they, I mean, English. they don't speak any yeah. English, when really they do. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't want to, like, feed into a stereotype, but my mom is definitely part of it. Yeah, that. I think, I think my mom is part of that, too, and I think it just brings us back to the point of, Japanese culture and us being pretty like 
us as in like Japanese people being pretty repressed in terms of you know their opinions and just you know they just want to stick to that calm quiet stereotype and you know I guess we can't really help that yeah well so then going back to like your upbringing so who who did help you go through like the system in abroad um that's a good question because I mean putting us into school doing all that stuff I think it was both my dad and my mom but when I got older such as university applications I you know open a bank and blah 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 it was mostly my dad that helped me but I I the, the, they can't they can't but <laughs> it came a point where my dad couldn't help me anymore because he was navigating something completely new or he was navigating or I was navigating something that he was so familiar with that he didn't know how to explain it in a way that I could understand and that became really hard and that's why I quickly gained independence as soon as I um graduated from high school oh okay so for me I am really lucky I consider myself really lucky because my older sister was sort of the guinea pig in the family so she had to go through like all of the opening credit cards and thinking about loans college admissions taxes my dad definitely did know stuff you know we consider that like dad stuff like money and administrative things but my sister like she perfected or is in the process of really understanding what you need to know in America um and so she she gives me all that knowledge and and I have a much easier time than her and I take all of her advice and I just makes me feel so happy because I have a I have an easier time yeah you're pretty lucky because my sister didn't help me with any of that stuff even if she went to the same system (laughs) but I don't think that has to do that's anything to do with the fact that I'm a third culture kid I think it's just my family dynamics (laughs) so like I don't struggle with the administrative or logistics anymore you know in terms of like cultural differences but ah something ah that still is rough with my parents is them telling me for example this is just one thing but it just sticks in my mind um is that them telling me that I've gotten fat yeah oh my gosh that is something I get all the time because it like for my my family it would, and it's not just my parents, like, my mom would sit, comment on, like, oh, you, like, straight out would be, like, oh, you, you, you got a little fat, or, like, my dad would be, like, oh, look, would, would pull up a, an old picture of me when I'm, like, 10, he'd be, like, oh, look at how, you know, athletic you looked, and then my, my, uh, relatives would, after not seeing them for a year or two they'd be like oh my gosh you look so american Mm. it's like the first thing they notice about you like how rude and they don't get how rude it is is a problem i think yeah i mean I've, i've tried to tell my mom yeah and it's worked to a degree but i i tried to i tried to use i feel statements so i feel really discouraged when you point out my body features um and and, and like it worked kind of because she she did stop talking about like any weight gain or loss um and like 
I, I have a lot of friends who are really active in the body positivity movement, and so it's really important to me, and I know that it begins with individual conversations, and it's really hard to, like, change a culture, but it's still, you know, it's it's frustrating, and it's difficult, and, and it works sometimes. Mm-hmm. But not always. No, not always. Yeah. Well, like, for me... My mom has never actually directly said I was fat, but she uses a lot of suggestive words like, oh, you've gotten so big, or like, oh, look at this, you know, this, when you were 12 years old, you had these, like, skinny branch legs, um, and she doesn't think that she's hurting me in any way because she thinks she's in the right so again I would use the whole I feel statements like mom when you say that I feel like you're telling me that I'm fat when you use that vocabulary but she always gets pretty defensive she's like that's not what I meant and Mm -hmm. I always have to say well what I'm saying is I feel that way when you say that so I want you to stop but she's like, that's not what I'm saying, so you can't get angry at me because that's not my intention. So it becomes this like really circular conversation and mm-hmm. it's just really hard to get out of that. Another instance of when my mom and I clashed because our conversations became so circular is that and was when my mom pointed out that my sister was like the pioneer of the family, you know. She, me and my, my sister and I grew up in the same schooling system up until we went to the UK, um, well, and up until we went to university. So she was the first one to go into a private school in Japan, like she did all the exams and stuff. And then she got into the international school in Singapore. And um, I do agree with my mom in the sense that because she had done that already, my parents were more familiar with the process. So it made it easier for me. But the way she said it, it made it feel like I didn't deserve it, um, that I didn't work hard for it. And without my sister, I wouldn't have gotten it at all. And it made me feel so useless. So again, you know, I was like, mom, I feel like you think I don't deserve this. I feel like you don't think I'm, you know, meant to go to this school. And, you know, I feel like she's, I feel like you're throwing all my hard work again. And then again, she goes into that whole defense mode of, no, but that's not what I mean, you know? And, you know, she just, she's just very defensive. And I think it's kind of, I think I attribute that to just the Japanese culture, of uh, the Japanese non-confrontational culture, is that whenever somebody confronts them, they become very defensive because they don't mean it that way and they don't know how to have a discussion. Do you, do you feel that? Uh-huh. Yeah, so, like, I've always thought that the arguments that I have with my parents, they look really different from the arguments that my friends have with their parents. Where, you know, I was dumb, so I didn't realize, like, they were getting help for homework. But when I would go on playdates or sleepovers, they would actually talk through issues and have a conversation that's like, hey, mom. I have to talk to you about something. I've never said that to my parents. Yeah, me And so, like, our arguments are more, like, dramatic because there's all of this, like, pent-up energy on my part. And, like, but it's less yelling. Maybe there's more yelling than, like, you know, a Western family's 
argument. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of yelling. Like, yeah, so I, I just think it's because the, there's different, like, fundamental differences in the expectations that I have on what a parent-child relationship should look like mm. compared to what they expect. Like, yeah. for a little bit, I felt really sad that my family, my family doesn't really hug. We do kind of do now. But growing up, we definitely didn't really hug. We still, like, we've never said, I love you. I say I love you to my dog that's on the phone with my mom and my brother. <laughs> but I don't say it to them because I just, like, it's, I've never done that before, so it's weird, but I want that in my family, and so I guess I could start. But anyways, uh, with the expectations of what it means to be family, I've never had that, like, my mom is my best friend thing. Like, I love mm. my mom, but, like, yeah. I don't go to her to tell her everything. And I personally don't know any Japanese people who have that relationship with their parents. Um, mm -hmm. Or, like, even my cousins who are, you know, around my age, we're not best friends. Like, we don't, you know... Yeah. We're just culturally really hang very out. different. And yeah. I guess I guess it could be, like different if we actually lived in Japan by seeing each other more but yeah I just I feel like I missed out on like a really neat relationship that I could have had with yeah. cousins. I mean there's no animosity between me and my cousins but it would just made it really hard to become best friends with them because they grew up in a completely different culture and completely different schooling system than I did and I just can't relate to them and they can't relate to me either so it's pretty difficult. But yeah, on the point of like you not saying I love you to your family, I hug and say I love you to my mom all the time. Aww, that's but so sweet. That's because I need words of affirmation. So I make <laughs> yeah, her say that she loves me. Yeah, it's my love language. So I need her to tell me that she loves me. Um, or else I feel very invalidated. So it's something that I've trained my mom to do. But like, <laughs> that's something that I've been able to train my mom to do. But... I think what what makes it so difficult is that it's so hard to impose your own, own expectations on them because it's not fair on them because we're basically telling them to change their value systems that they've had, no mm -hmm. matter how flawed we think it is. We're yeah. making them change their value system that they've had for almost 60 years. Yeah. Okay, my parents are not 60 yet, but almost 60 years. Um, <laughs> It's like, it's like saying that, you know, your grandkids come to you in 50 years time and they're like, yeah, now men are better than women. And then, you know, we have to change our values to fit the system. Like, that's not fair on us in 50 years yeah, time. I totally right? agree. Yeah. Because, you know, they're, my parents are, aren't old, old, but they're older than me and they've had their values for decades and like the little little things or maybe they're big about for example my brother being allowed to miss Saturday Japanese school for soccer or baseball and I wasn't able to because I had to go to Japanese school I wasn't allowed to miss it for soccer and I think it's based on like boys play sports girls don't you know in like a very traditional sense and I, it's not, like, isolated to Japan at all, but I, I don't know. I just, it was so... I wanted 
them to understand how their thinking was wrong. But now that I reflect on it, I understand, like, it's kind of rude, you know, these people who have done, I think I'm great, so they've done a great job raising me, so, like, why try so desperately to change them? And also, I so admire my parents for their ability to adapt to life in various countries not even just two especially my my, mom to be honest yeah my mom is my hero yeah because the kids have school dad has work we're busy during the day we have stuff to do during the day but my mom um didn't work while she lived in hong kong or new york or london and so she needed to find stuff to do every single day and to be able to you know go to the grocery store and communicate in a language that I think she knows more or knew more coming out of Japan than the average Japanese person but still you know not that much and not only to go to the grocery store but to have to make friends to go find friends even though they're they're usually Japanese but I mean that's crazy I don't think I would have been able to do that at all like my mom is amazing yeah Because it's pretty scary to go to a new country when you're not comfortable with a language, you know? Um, But your mom's back in Japan after, what, more than 20-something years? Yeah, I think 26 years? Yeah. What is she she glad to be back, or is she finding it hard to adjust back in Japan? I haven't asked her. I will, um, and see what she actually thinks. But throughout the years when our friends move back to Japan we notice that at first everybody is uncomfortable being back in Japan you know they're like oh my god there's so many (laughs) there's so many Asian people or they would you know because we were we lived in New York and so not as many Asian people as like say moving back to Japan from Singapore just putting that out there um but we notice that kids tend to eventually really appreciate the freedom that kids have in Japan where they can ride the trains on their own, go to the park, really go anywhere on their own. Um, and it's safe and people feel safe doing that. And then parents who, if they lived in a suburb, especially in America or Canada, where the mom had to drive us so much, you know, to every single extracurricular and our you know minivan would run out of gas within a day and so she didn't have to do that anymore when they moved back to Japan so there's like a sense of freedom and independence that both parties get when returning to Japan but then i think they they definitely miss like certain aspects of of life abroad and I don't really know exactly what they are because I haven't really asked them, but they both do say like they're excited to maybe someday live somewhere else again. But one thing I don't miss about my mom living abroad is being told by random people at the grocery store or at the bank like, oh my god, your mom is so young. Like, who is the mom? Are you a sister? Yeah, I get that all the time. Yes, sisters. Oh my goodness. I I got that quite often when I was still like, what, 12 years old or something. And I was like, well, I don't know if it's an insult to me 
Or a compliment to my mom. Yeah, I mean, you know? I'm sure <laughs> it was like... a compliment to my mom, and I'm glad I'm five years younger than my sister, so I was obviously the youngest-looking one. But my sister, who's five years older than me, she I remember she would look so annoyed every single time because it, it kind of subtly says, like, my sister looks old. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, a lot of my friends were like, oh, your mom's so cute. And what 50-year-old wants a 16-year-old telling them that they're cute, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, my mom's small. She's fun-sized. She's, like, 152 centimeters. I can put my chin on top of her head. She's tiny, and it's cute, but... Yeah, but I don't... Not that much smaller than me. I'm 154, so... Yeah, but I don't think my mom appreciates it when, like, people that are, like, her kid's age telling her that she's cute you know yeah but yeah do you know another aru 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 is like i don't know how to explain the english it's like common traits common kikokushito traits common like a, traits. you know like a overheard at whole foods or like a things yeah blank say things yeah things third culture kids have in common i guess but said in a cute way it's aru aru so another aru aru is that me and my sister used to bitch about our parents in front of them in languages such as English or Spanish, because, you know, we learned Spanish as well. But yeah, isn't that, like, really fun to in do? In front of them? Yeah. Uh, no, I did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you're, are you telling me I'm being a really snappy daughter? Chota rude. <laughs> Sad. Well, anyway, speaking of language, next week will be about language acquisition and maintenance of our bilingualness or how we failed to maintain them. So, yeah. <laughs> Smooth transition. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And Thank you.